Let's see what the stew has in store for us today. Welcome to the Gnomecast, Gnome Stew's tabletop gaming advice podcast. Here we talk with the other gnomes about gaming things to avoid becoming part of the stew, so I guess we'd better be good. This episode is brought to you by awesome Patreon backers like the courageous Craig, the jubilant Jim Anderson, and the exuberant Eric Bon Barbagris. Today we have myself, Ange, and we are going to skip our getting to know a gnome question because we're going to be spending this whole episode chatting with Josh and welcoming him to Gnome Stew. Yay! Hi, everybody. It's me. Josh joined us at the end of 2023 as a new regular gnome after having written some guest articles for us. So we thought it would be a good use of our first episode of the Gnomecast in 2024 to get to know our newest gnome. So Josh, introduce yourself to our listeners. Hello, listeners. My name is Josh. I am a huge nerd, um, but you probably (laughs) could have guessed that. (laughs) I've been playing uh, tabletop games um, for almost as long as I can remember, and I'm so excited to be here. (laughs) We are delighted to have you here. So what is your gamer origin story? How did you get started with RPGs? Okay, so this one time at Bandcamp... No, seriously. Um, I was in middle school and I was off at band camp for the first time. And, you know, we took over like a community college as, you know, band camps do. I was walking down the hall and one of the, the dorm rooms that had like one of the drummers in it, they're like, hey, we need someone to play a wizard. I'm like, I like wizards. <laughs> I remember nothing else about the game except that I tried to drop kick a goblin, I think. And it was AD&D. And so a wizard was not suited for kicking anything, but I was hooked after that. Did you get into a regular game after you got home from band camp or uh, how, how quickly after band camp did we, did we find the daily, the weekly dose of D&D? I got home um, and I was immediately obsessed. Like even before that, even, even before I knew what Dungeons and Dragons was, I, you know, I played Dragon Warrior on the NES and I, um, I collected the, the, the Marvel trading cards that held all of the X-Men's statistics on the back. And I thought that was like the coolest thing in the world. And so like the bug bit and like I was I was ready to go. I was at Barnes and Noble with my mom and my mom always encouraged any reading habit or any 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 nerdy habit, honestly, almost the whole reason I'm a nerd and I was. I was like, hey, can I get this? And it was the um, AD&D second edition player's handbook, the one with the black border around it. And she was like, sure, of course. (laughs) It's a book. Yeah. (laughs) Sure, I'll buy it for you. Like she thought the stuff was as cool as I did. So like she she would look through it and be like, oh, wow, that's cool. And like, you know, different pictures and things like that. So we got um, the my friends together that were part of that, you know, first experience. The the DM had um, other things to do. So we were left to our own devices and we we picked it up from there and ran with it. I didn't run it initially. I was just playing in it, but I kept buying books and I kept, I think I would, I think I was a little more excited about it than everybody else in my career. I've been there, been there, done that. Yeah. I kind of hounded them like, Hey, you want to play this weekend? Well, what about it this weekend? What are you doing this weekend? You want to play? <laughs> so, um, you mentioned that, you know, those early games, you weren't the one running, you were just playing. Mm-hmm. What did it take to get you in from the player seat into the GM seat? Well, I think it was waiting for my friend who um, she said, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll run the game. And it was great. But then she never had time to put things together. And, you know, it was always last minute, you know, the, the way things go. So I was like, well, what, why don't I run a why don't I run a spinoff game? Because I'm thinking about this all the time anyway. <laughs> and then <laughs> I had picked up like the Planescape handbook. I mean, the adventure box and, you know, the 
the monster manual for Planescape and just poured over all of that amazing artwork and all of the amazing creatures in there. And I was like, I've got all these ideas in my head. It was a way to play the game even when we weren't playing the game. Like prepping the game was like one of the ways that I played it. So I was just like, let's just go with it. Let's just go from there. I think we did an episode of the Gnomecast probably a couple few years ago now. And I remember it was me and Senda on as well as somebody else who I'm, I'm unfortunately not remembering now. And we talked about how a lot of our playing of the game is what we do away from the table. Mm. You know, like all the thought we put into it, because like you said, I am always thinking about the game. <laughs> I'm always thinking about games. I remember that episode. That was a good episode. I, th I think it was the first time I finally clicked in my head with, oh, that's what I'm doing when I'm thinking about all this stuff. I'm actually kind of playing my own little game. So you've mentioned a lot of D&D. &D. Is that primarily what you play or do you have you veered off into other games and genres at this point? So I hit the ground running and immediately started like looking into other um, systems. Um, I was at a local comic book convention and um, picked up like um, Deadlands, their post-apocalyptic setting, Hell on Earth. And I got the first edition of White Wolf's uh, sci-fi line, which became known as Trinity, but was originally known as Aeon until Viacom sued them because of Aeon Flux. Like Mage the Ascension and um, all of the, like I, every, every, any way to make a story collaboratively with a group of friends that also involved dice, I picked up and tried to, in high school, I was very ambitious. I tried to mash it all together and <laughs> come up with a reason for us to have all of these campaigns, which of course we never had time to play all of these things. But um, even, even in high school, we, we didn't have enough time to play all the games that I wanted to play. I think that's the biggest, uh, the biggest hurdle most gamers have today is finding the time to keep playing. I know. I hear people lamenting about their, their to-be-read piles on like TikTok and you know, Instagram and stuff like that. I'm like, oh, well, at least you can sit down and read a book on your own. Like, come on, you want to talk about <laughs> piles of uh, backlogs of games and stuff? Try, try having to get three to five people together to, to get that crossed off your list. Yeah. I, I, I look over at my shelf and I see all of the games I've purchased that I have yet to play. Like some of that's my own fault because it's easier to fall back on this stuff I know and I'm confident in. And some of it is just like, there is a lot on that shelf. Physical shelf is one thing, but then I open up my PDF folder and I'm like, no. <laughs> <laughs> I think Jared recently organized his PDFs and he said he had something like 2,000. Oh, yeah. Actually, that, that, that's, I'm going to put a pin in that. That could be a Gnomecast episode where we talk about organizing our game files. I would have a lot of opinions on um, uh, do as I say, not as I do. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> what type of genre and game do you prefer? And is it different between playing and running? Oh, that's a great question. I think the, the genre that I prefer is Saturday morning, anything goes. Like a Saturday morning cartoon, like anything goes kind of setting, like, like He-Man mm -hmm. and the Masters of the Universe, right? Like, yeah, there were swords. But there were also robots and um, they were, laser guns. Yeah, and they were in space, but like they didn't travel to other planets. But in, um, but then there were rift, interdimensional rifts that opened up. So, like I mentioned, like Planescape, right? Mm -hmm. The whole idea of a multiverse of different dimensions and different planes coming in and mixing up and getting like the peanut butter and your chocolate and everything like that. That's <laughs> that's my sweet spot of games. I warned. Warned the players in my current Pathfinder game when we first started. I have a tendency to turn everything into a into a Planescape game in one way or another. 
And they're like, okay, yeah, yeah, sure, sure, sure. And then I started introducing all the interdimensional weirdness happening. You're like, oh, okay, you weren't kidding. I'm like, yeah. (laughs) You were serious. Yeah. (laughs) Now, is that for playing or running? Is or just both? That's for running. For playing, anything that's got like a good character hook for me. If it's got a way to make interesting characters and some sort of like level progression. Not not necessarily levels, just sort of some sort of like character progression, right? Because mm-hmm. even if we play it as a one shot, and I know we're never going to touch these characters or this world or this story again, in my head, I want there to be like that potential, right? Like that that playing away from the table sort of potential of like, well, how could the character grow? How could it? How could they evolve and develop? I mean, I, I guess that's more system style, like genre style, like like everything, man. I just want to play in a game where I get to do. I get to do some cool shit. <laughs> I get you there. Yeah, whether that's casting spells or, or like, you know, being an international super spy or, you know, flying spaceships um, through black holes or whatever. As long as you can do cool, awesome stuff, I'm there for it. That's generally my my gist, too. I tend to avoid, like, the grim, dark horror stuff. Because, mm-hmm. like you said, I want to be able to do cool stuff. Yeah, yeah. And sometimes in those games, the cool stuff is just, you know, surviving. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love sitting at a table where people like fall into their characters and just live in the world. Not to the point of like playing the inventory management mini game. Like that's <laughs> that's not so much my thing. I have friends that love doing the the you know tweaking the inventory so they have exactly the right amount of rations and everything like that, and that helps them get their immersion. And I'm like. Cool. You you do that. I will play a character who is very bad at management and let you handle all of the rations <laughs> in the game while I go talk to this NPC for a while. I will say, in most of my D and D campaigns, I end up becoming the uh, the group accountant because uh. I'm usually the one jotting the notes down about what we we got. So I just started keeping a spreadsheet, and it's not that this is a joy; it's just the you know, it helps everyone else if somebody's keeping track of what we got and how much money the group actually has. Yeah, that God bless you, because that is not that is not how I, I play the game. <laughs> I will write in my notes, we found some treasure um, and that will be it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I will say I don't go as far as enjoying. We started up a traveler campaign and the GM started talking about our mortgage on our ship. And I'm like, excuse me. <laughs> I'm not here to play life the space game. <laughs> I think those sorts of things are good motivations for characters in abstract, mm-hmm. but I, I prefer to deal with them in abstract. Give me a wealth roll where right. I can say, can I afford this? Roll a, roll a couple dice. Yes, I can. No, I can't. Okay. Or, or like, yeah, like a mortgage on your spaceship, right? Like that's a great hook if you use that. But then if the story doesn't have anything to do with you worrying about like yeah. paying off your ship, then why bother? So what are some of the uh, what are some of the campaigns or games you've played that just stand out in your memory? I met my husband because of an aberrant game. <laughs> you know, I mentioned that I, I bought like the, the White Wolf sci-fi game when it first came out. They did a superhero spinoff. They did everything back in the 90s. Uh, oh, yeah. I, know. <laughs> I grabbed up everything in that line that I could that I could get my hands on because I just loved it so much. And I was off in grad school and I didn't know anybody, but I had friends of friends who were going to school like one town over and they were like, Hey, um, we're getting together and we're putting together an aberrant game. Would you like to play it? And I'm like, yes, please. (laughs) 
That game might have been why I didn't do as well in grad school as I probably should have. <laughs> that is another common story many of us gamers have. <laughs> or it might have been that grad school was right for me, so I was focusing on the game instead. But whatever. The, the important thing um, is that that's where I met my husband. So that, one, that game will always hold a special place in my heart. Right now, I am heading into like the third and final act of the real quick uh, pandemic lockdown one shot that we were going to play. <laughs> that sounds that, that that's a perfect metaphor for a pandemic game. <laughs> the one shot that turned into a three act structure. Yeah, yeah. We were just going to play a real quick one shot. We were going to try out Pathfinder 2E and I was going to run them through like a reverse dungeon where they had to um, they had to put an item back and like fix all the traps that were malfunctioning. <laughs> then uh, it spun out and we kept having to stay inside so we kept playing the game um over you know btt now they're almost level 18 and uh they're gonna fight the cosmic devouring big bad that is on its way to their home and um that's been a lot of fun that sounds awesome i love the idea of a game starting from a, oh we just we just want to play something to being like becoming this epic journey of the hero's journey of the characters. Oh, yeah. It's, it's been so great seeing some of the characters grow and change, too. And also, like, I, I, it was planned as a one-shot, right? So some of, the, some of the players, like, fell off. Others were like, you know what? I made a character for a one-shot, but I don't want to play them all the way to level 20. I'm like, yeah, that's fair. And, like, seeing, like, the new characters that they develop that fit with the group and fit in with the world a little more cohesively as the, mm -hmm. as the world has been developed. And, yeah, it's just been... It's just been so much fun seeing the whole thing evolve and develop from like this one little kernel of an idea, all of the ripples and all of the chain reactions that have fallen out. Yeah, since. I'm guessing the game is still uh, still virtual. Yeah. yeah, we've got people in so many different time zones. Yeah, it's it, it's definitely uh, a completely virtual game. Yeah, that was that was my fallout from the pandemic is that because we were playing virtually, we're like, well, there's no reason not to have our friend who moved to Ohio mm -hmm. still play in our game. And so that's why most of, most of my regular Saturday games are now still virtual because we've got people around the country. We ended up playing in so many virtual games that I kind of forget what it's like to run in person. <laughs> I, I started up a, a second Pathfinder game. It's a horror campaign. And we wanted it to be in person. We wanted to invite some of our local friends and play at the new dining room table that we had just gotten for our new house and, you know, kind of christen it and everything like that. I was so used to having like all of the virtual tabletop tools at my disposal that by the time I had to run a combat where I actually had to roll initiative dice for multiple monsters and like attack <laughs> dice for all of them and everything like that, I was like, this is a lot of rolling. Why? Oh, right. Because I just have to click a button normally. <laughs> I'll say that that I... We, we try and do in-person two or three times a year if we can, mm -hmm. uh, if we can get people in town for it. Oh, yeah. And what fun. I've started doing is I just bring my laptop and have the VTT up for me on the laptop so I can just hit that button, have all the monster information up on the screen for me. But I have to be careful because I gave myself a headache doing that, you know, between looking at everyone across the table and then looking down at the laptop and my eyes adjusting through my glasses. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But it's still like, I'm just going to have it all on the laptop there. That would be the convenient and smart thing to do, I think, in my case. <laughs> However, even though we were locked down and even though there was a pandemic and even though everybody was playing online, that did not stop me from buying new dice. <laughs> <laughs> so I had all of these dice that I hadn't gotten to use yet. So I'm like, well. I had 
friend gathering in 2021. We got together in the summer, about 20, 25 of us for a gaming weekend. And it was like, it was so nice just to touch my dice again. Yes. And, and like, know that you're rolling them for a reason, not just because you're fidgeting. Yeah, not because you're fidgeting. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so um, now that you are a full regular gnome, what can folks look forward to from you on the stew? That's a great question. <laughs> <laughs> I'd be happy to answer it. I take like kind of like a holistic approach to my um, DM prep, my game prep, where like everything in my life is fair game as either inspiration or a tool or, or, or something. I think in my last um, article about like leveling up your GM stats, I talked about like how much more fun it is to read like a project management handbook <laughs> when you think about how you're going to apply that to your role playing game. <laughs> like I do the same thing with productivity videos on YouTube. Like I'm, I'm a sucker for like productivity and stationary YouTube videos, even though like 90% of my life is digital. So I don't need the stationary based on like looking at it. And my brain's always going like, how do I incorporate this into GM prep? How, so like everything out there, I kind of, I take like a, like macro view of like, how can this be applied? Not just to like this specific game that I'm running, but like any game. Also like being obsessed with role-playing games is probably the reason I became a writer, but my other life outside of, of gaming, I write things for a living. Sometimes really boring things, sometimes really fun things. <laughs> Technical writing? Marketing writing. Um, so a lot of of marketing copy um a lot of making the business products sound um as exciting as i i want them to <laughs> actually be so I, I also bring a lot of that to the table like i've got so many different story structures and like plot structures floating around in my head and ways of of looking at quote unquote like the audience which you know when you're writing that's your reader when you're marketing it's your customer when you're running a game it's your players knowing how to finagle those things and bring that to the to the table is important, I think. I think that's some pretty universally useful stuff to, to think about how to reframe how you're interacting with your players and how you can use other tools with those those players and running your games. And the great thing is is that sometimes those other tools uh, transfer over into your boring day job life. Yeah. Yeah. Can't tell you how many meetings I've run like I'm trying to herd some cats into a into a role playing <laughs> session. Oh yeah, yeah. I, I, I've found that uh having to do the speak up in a meeting or run a meeting is much easier after I started GMing because it's just another level of like managing the table. Yep. You just uh pretend you're an NPC who knows what they're doing and <laughs> This NPC's background is they are a competent business person who likes running meetings. Okay, let's go. <laughs> Anything else you would like our listeners to know before we head into our outro? I've been a fan of The Stew and um, of all of the um, podcasts and all of the writers, everything for years. And I'm just so excited to finally contribute to it. So I can't wait to see where we go from here. Yeah, I'm super happy to have you on board. I can't wait to see what kind of campaigns can develop from the seeds that get planted. So this show is funded by the Gnome Stew Patreon. You too can Patreon backer by following the Patreon link on the Gnome Stew website to the Gnome Stew Patreon. We love doing this, so our Patreon helps us keep it going. If you're enjoying the Gnomecast, you'll probably like many of the other misdirected Mark shows. Here's one to check out. Thacko with Advantage. Ange and Jared love talking about RPGs and D&D. Together, they share insights into the games they're running, as well as a variety of topics that affect the games we play. They're going to talk anyway. 
so might as well record it. Maybe you'll even pick up an ancient D&D factoid about a previous edition of the game you never used. You can find all of us at gnomestew.com, at gnomestew on Blue Sky, and gnomestew on Facebook. Josh, is there anything else you want to give a shout out to today? You can find me on most social networks as um, Solus, S-O-L-E-S-S, mostly Instagram and Blue Sky right now. Solus was the name of the big bad evil guy from my first um, (laughs) D&D campaign, fun fact. A non-personal shout out, my friend Sarah Gailey, they run uh, a blog on um, stonesoup.ghost.io. It's mostly um, writing and comic books. There's some game reviews going on there and like a whole series on um, like personal essays and cooking about cooking and stuff like that. And so there's amazing uh, recipes. And I also um, have an essay there about my grandmother's uh, Christmas cookies. Ooh. So go check that out. I love Christmas cookies. <laughs> there, yeah. <laughs> I, I think we'll say that you have safely avoided the getting tossed into the stew for this very first gnome cast of yours. Whew. Okay. Well, I appreciate that. <laughs> Although it is cold here, so that actually sounds nice and warm. But. Yeah, I mean, the stew is pretty tasty and warm and cozy, but we'll, we'll save it for another day. Sounds good. <laughs>